never had a real life diva. Don't give up. Warning. Says, who does he think he is? I have some stirred. Will you confirm or deny? Maybe you should have finished the Warning. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, let, let's focus. From reality TV to real life, it's all just so dramatic with Megan Pacetto. <laughs> Real ass bitch, keep a fuck. What you say? Real ass bitch, keep a fuck. 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 Real ass bitch, I'm Megan Pistetto. Today, I've got some good news and some bad news for you guys. I will give you the good news first. Let's start off on a high and finish on a low. Drum roll, please. Pause for dramatic effect. The moment you have all been waiting for is finally here. Today, I present to you a very special edition of So Dramatic, my first ever miniseries with none other than Jamie Doran, AKA The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise's Stage 5 Clinger possibly even stage 10 but hey who's counting jamie as you all know is one of the show's most controversial and memorable characters he is the first ever contestant to pursue legal action against the franchise and the warner brothers production company this will also be his first ever interview yes guys that's right you're hearing it here first jamie's been on an 18 month media ban and of course he chose so dramatic to spill the tea to first because he's a smart guy so understandably we had a lot to cover we left no stone unturned no question unasked and no question unanswered the entire interview is so juicy probably the most explosive yet i would say it's everything you expect from jamie and more and look his tears must be contagious because i even had the waterworks flowing during our chat and i'm not an emotional person at all I honestly cannot wait for you guys to hear it and I will not be depriving you, which brings me to my next point. I knew before the interview that Jamie likes to talk. I had met him IRL a few times and also many, many people had warned me. Glenn Smith told me that Jamie would rock up to his IVs with eight pages of notes. Naranga told me that I would need to allocate the whole day to record Jamie's interview and they were both right. The interview went for five hours. We were recording for six in total, if you include toilet and food breaks. It was some real Joe Rogan shit. I was held captive in the Byron Bay cabin all day without fresh air. And the funniest part of it all is that when the interview was over, Jamie told me he wanted to keep going and do another five hours. But that is when I put my foot down. Jamie gave me enough content to stretch out until February. No joke, I could have clocked off for two months and had the best summer ever, <laughs> but I can't not do the normal episodes. I can't deprive you guys. So now I will be doing two episodes a week for the foreseeable future. And I guess there goes my summer holiday. So because we did have so much content and the interview was so juicy, I decided, well, actually I can't take credit for this. It was all Jamie's idea. <laughs> He suggested to do a five-part mini-series, and when he told me, I was like, actually, that's a good idea. We did not want to waste one precious second of the interview or leave anything on the cutting room floor, as some of the networks like to do. I wanted to give you guys Jamie in his full glory, a whole So Fresh Summer 2020 album of Jamie hits. So I've decided to split the interview up over five stages in dedication of Jamie's stage five clinger status. 
and I will drop them every Tuesday now until probably that will take us up until Christmas. So that is my Christmas gift to you all. It's seriously going to give the Lord of the Rings trilogy a run for its money. I might add as well, Jamie did get offered big bucks for this interview, but he gave it to me. He's a loyal, so dramatic member and I'm so grateful. So I thought, look, I need to milk this for all it's worth because at the end of the day, I'm a frugal bitch. Now guys, for the bad news, get those Jamie Doran tears flowing. We did record this interview in Byron Bay in a cabin in a caravan park. It sounds more like a scene out of a Freddy Krueger movie. Not the best of circumstances, not ideal, but I had to make do with the resources I had. Anyway, we digress. It was also my first time recording on the road and not in a studio. And I would have loved to say that I pulled it off without a hitch, but I would be lying. In full transparency, the audio is not the best. It's not my usual A plus standard, but look, it's a Christmas miracle. I was even able to record something at all. So I'm trying not to be too hard on myself. One like, one prayer. So the first four minutes is really bad audio. Apologies in advance. And then after that, it's actually fine. So please just bear with me during the rocky start. Funnily enough, you can actually hear the exact moment in the audio when I figure out the correct settings. Love that for me. Anyway, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, actually, probably the opposite. <laughs> it was a bit of an ordeal to get to Byron, if I'm completely honest. The day I was meant to leave, my laptop died. RIP. My car was still being repaired from when I got hit by a bus a few weeks ago, and it wasn't ready in time for me to drive. And then pretty much everything else that could have gone wrong that day did go wrong. I think it was the universe literally trying to give me like a lot of signs not to go, all of which I ignored, I might add. But I did end up driving nine hours to Byron in one hit and I made it there safely and I made it back soundly. So that's all that matters. Before we get into today's episode, just some quick housekeeping. I hate to ask you all, I sound like a desperate bitch, but please, please, please super spread this podcast around. Get your nearest and dearest more attached to it than Jamie is to Tim. Also, make sure you rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Five stars only, of course. My hate mail is increasing again. So if you do love the podcast, even if you just like it, please leave a review and let others know that I am not all that bad. And join the So Dramatic community, TEA, on Facebook when you search in groups. Don't forget to follow So Dramatic on Instagram at So Dramatic Podcast underscore new handle, same shadow band account. Also, I am thinking to start my Instagram from scratch now because I hate not being seen. So follow at So Dramatic Media because I am going to switch over to that account soon. I hate not showing up on the Explore page. It kills my life. Let's be honest. Also, if you want to follow all the behind the scenes goss of my Hot Girl Summer series, follow me on Instagram at Megan Pistetto. Okay, that's enough desperate begging from me. Coming up today, Jamie Doran spills all the details about his media ban and why he's taking Warner Brothers to court. He opens up about the rock bottom moment that led to him reaching out to former bachelor Nick Cummings, aka the Honey Badger, and fellow five-stage clinger Jared Woodgate for help. Jamie reveals how he feels about his negative stage five clinger portrayal on TV, how it still affects him to this day, and how he's coping with it now. He opens up about the major turning event in his life that led to him applying for The Bachelorette and the math star who helped him do it. And he answers the question on everyone's lips. Why did you go back for another TV stint if your first experience was so horrible? His answer will surprise you. Plus, so much more. So much drama, so little time. Let's get into the show. 
do not fight amongst yourselves. Please come to me. So will you confirm or deny? At least you're honest with me. So exclusive. There's someone coming here. It's Jamie, it's Jamie! Everybody run! Run, girls! <laughs> girls, run! Run! People know me as the stage five clinger. The stage five clinger. Guys, he's the most infamous bachelorette and bachelor in paradise stage five clinger we have ever seen. He's Tim Hanley's biggest fan and the recent Erin Brockovich of reality TV. In the past year alone, he's delivered us some of the most iconic TV moments. The self-crowned king of So Dramatic, who has had more mentions on this podcast than anyone else. Need I say more? Jamie Doran, welcome to the hot seat. Well, you wouldn't read about it, Megan Pastetto. <laughs> Actually, you will. You'll read about it probably next week in some article. But I am here. I am here. I'm actually, I'm actually very nervous right now in your presence because this is a big moment for you and me. This is a really big moment. I never thought this would happen. Never in a million years. I mean, if this time last year you said that we would be sitting here doing a tell-all interview, no one would have believed it. Well, look what 2020 has delivered so far. It's a strange year. It's a very strange year. So... Maybe this was the year for it to happen. <laughs> Are you ready for your 60 minutes interrogation? 60? 60? Uh, 360? I think, <laughs> yeah, I think this might be about 360 minutes. So can I just confirm something? You have never done an interview with anyone else. This is your first ever interview. You've given me the scoop. You're giving me unlimited access to ask whatever I like. Also, this is the first ever interview where since I was signed by The Bachelorette in june 2019 this is also the first time i have not had a representative from channel 10 sitting next to me so all the other interviews you've done you've had publicists sitting there saying can't say that you can't talk about this cutting you off if you try to speak about anything they don't want you to speak about yep exactly and this is the first time ever i can go rogue (laughs) welcome (laughs) you're in a safe space the right place for it um so you've been on an 18 month media ban Yes, so why I've stated that it's 18 months is because in that time, I've always had someone from Channel 10, a representative, sitting next to me. I'm not allowed to say what I want to say. And since July, I've also been on a full media ban. So I'm not allowed to take phone calls from media. I'm not allowed to answer any questions. I'm not really even meant to talk to people in the street about what's going on at the moment. So that got lifted on Monday the 9th of November. Why was that in place? That's because of the legal case at the moment. So your lawyer said you're not to speak to anyone or Warner Brothers said you're not to speak to anyone. And is that just you or is that every contestant? It was Channel 10 who who placed that media sanction on me. And I believe it is just me. But the day that I commenced legal action, a lot of people got gagged just for the exit media from Bachelor in Paradise. Jackson Naranga. Jackson Naranga, Kira Maguire. Um, I'm not sure who else, but there were a few people who got banned from doing their exit media. I was scheduled to go on The Project, Kyle and Jackie O, Fitzy and Whipper, the whole roundabout. That obviously all got pulled and that has all been lifted. Yeah, Monday 9th of November. So now I'm a free agent. I can do what I want. That's why I'm here giving you my exclusive. <laughs> 
Thank you. So hold on. So they what extended your media ban and extended it due to you taking legal action, or is that already in your contract that you had that media ban? The media ban ran to the end of my contract, Monday 9th of November, which was three months from the airing of the final episode of Bachelor in Paradise. But that's standard procedure. Yes. Okay. But I, no, no one else has been banned from media. Right. But, so Jackson Garlic, for instance, can go talk to the project. But can he or are they just – he's just not going to be punished like you would because he's not in a legal battle so it's not going to affect him and all they can do is be like, you shouldn't have done that. True. I would have opened myself up to being countersued. Okay. So I technically believe. they haven't extended a media ban on you. They haven't done anything else except what was in your original contract that no media until three months after unless it's approved by Channel 10, but they haven't given you any media to do. They don't want you speaking to anyone. And I tried. I contacted Warner Brothers and Channel 10 and asked to do some media and they said no. I, I asked. I asked to do the Friendly Geordies and they said no straight away. And because you've got the legal battle going on, you didn't want to risk. I believe I opened myself up to counter Sue because right now I feel they have nothing on me. I've done everything by the book, by the contract, and I've held out till this interview. <laughs> okay, so we're, getting, we're jumping the gun. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We've got a lot of ground to cover. I think the best way for us to do this is we'll go in chronological order. So we're here in Byron, recording on location in the flesh. This was actually all your idea. Yes, because I now live one, in Brisbane. One man, one genius idea. Yeah, and I, I thought this is one place where we can legally meet and <laughs> film it. And I didn't want to do it over the phone. I didn't think it did this interview justice. Oh, we need to be in the flesh. Yeah, I, I believe so. I drove nine hours yesterday to see you. I was 27 hours late, fashionably late. We went out last night. Went, went home to bed at a decent hour. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thanks to Mama Meg telling you to go to bed. Yeah, I didn't realize how much you guys were hot property. In Byron last night, all I was doing was taking photos of you with fangirls. You were being stopped on the street. Very popular. It is overwhelming. I like it. I like talking to people. I am trying to be a person of the people, especially with reality television. I don't want to become one of those people who, what's the word? Too good. You want oh, to be approachable. What's the Down word? to earth. Fob people off. Is it fob? Rude. Yeah. Okay. Just being rude to people. I don't, I don't want to be You're one of those friendly. people. Yeah. I want to be approachable and I want to talk about it. And but sometimes it is a little bit overwhelming, especially if I've got something else on my mind. I'm trying to do something like, for example, last night you actually filmed me. I was trying to get money out of an ATM. <laughs> and you were mobbed. And I was mobbed. <laughs> and that's – Byron's actually the least place it's happened since Bachelor in Paradise. What, so it's worse usually. It is way worse. I, I was getting really annoyed last night. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Like another photo. And then they're like, can you take it? The Gold Coast is – on another level than Byron Bay and but Brisbane is on its own level Brisbane it's out of control it took me I walked into a bar the other day in Brisbane and it took me 40 minutes to get from the front door to the booth I'd booked 40 minutes what That's just stopping people stopping you for photos and stuff photos questions talk to their nana on the phone it's everyone's nana it's everyone's nana that likes me by the way am i really am well, i that old you are close, you are closer probably to the nan's age than, than their age everyone's nana wants to say hi and it's hard for me to walk away and i'm trying to deal with that at the moment how to deal with it i have reached out to nick cummings for some advice and he is currently helping me deal with some of these social issues i'm having what the honey badger is helping you the honey, honey badger <laughs> it's just a new thing now but he is 
going to ring me in a couple of days and we're just going to have a chat about it because I feel he's someone who can guide me through this process. Why him? I wanted somebody who, and I know, look, honey, but I'm not on Nick Cummings level, but I mean, <laughs> I, I wanted someone who was probably had it more than me is a single guy, goes out socially. I just thought he's someone who could help me. I also think I might reach out to Jared Woodgate as well. I have met Jared Woodgate once through his beautiful girlfriend, Sam Royce, and Jared and I are now in contact. And I feel that someone else I would like to reach out to. And just how do you deal with the constant same 30 questions off everyone? That's what is hard. I'll go for a night out and it's... the same 30 questions from every person I meet. And after Bachelorette, one in 10 people recognize me. Now, nine in 10 recognize me. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It really is a lot. And I'm grateful of people wanting to meet me and be kind to me and they're happy to see me. And it is a 180. And, and actually, I do... Megan, you ha- you're a big part of that 180. After The Bachelorette, I felt a lot of people didn't like me. A lot of people would come up and be very rude to me. Some are still rude to me, but most are very nice and they just want to meet me and they feel like they know me already. And, and it's very sweet. It's very endearing. But I feel you, you are one person in the media who has turned that public perception around of me and... Now, it's more a positive when people come up, but it still is that same 30 questions. And I, ju- I just want to know how to deal with it because it is it is a lot when you go out. What has put me in, in this position now, and I'm not throwing shade at anyone, I got such a bad edit in The Bachelorette. I feel I'm trying to play catch up now with the public. I, I'm trying to prove to people, and maybe a little bit too hard, I'm actually a nice guy. I'm, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a stage five clinger or whatever. They portrayed me as slash villain. Why, why are you laughing? Kind of why are you laughing? Oh, okay. But I'm not the way they portrayed me. And I feel like I'm playing catch up. So when people come up and they're like, oh, how are you going? I want to meet you in real life, Jamie. I almost want to prove to them that I'm just a nice guy. And I think that is why I do try so hard to talk to people and I probably should just do my two minutes and walk away but I think that's why I, I probably do my eight minutes talking to everyone because I'm I honestly feel like I'm playing catch up because I had such a bad start with the whole Bachelor franchise that makes sense so you're so kind of appreciative that now people are actually giving you positive feedback they're coming up to you in a positive way that you're wanting to cement that view that positive side of yourself that you're like well now they're seeing me in this positive light. I want to really show them that that is me and leave a good impression on them. Yeah, I want to reinforce it. That's fair enough. I can and, see why you'd want to do that then. But at the same time, it is draining me following that the process. It's, it's very frustrating. I've had friends walk away from me on nights out. Just like me last night. Yeah. Like, if one more bitch asked me to take a photo of Jamie in the rain car. I would like to go back to when one in 10 people recognized me. <laughs> would you though? That was nice. That was just enough. Just enough. It was just enough. Just the right amount. Now it's it's pretty overwhelming. I was in Darwin with Renee and Sam Royce about a month ago and it was really overwhelming up there. A girl actually smashed my iPhone 
because I, she grabbed my iPhone and smashed my iPhone because I wouldn't get a photo with her. What the hell? That's crazy. What did you do? I went and reported it to the police, but then the, the police said if we go through with these charges, this girl will have a charge on her record for the rest of her life, so I dropped the charges. That's nice of you. Well, because I don't know if she's a teacher, she could be a nurse or... Still, she shouldn't smash your phone just because you won't get a photo. I think that's what people don't realise. Like, you're out on a night out with your friends having a good night. You don't want to... This is kind of like work for you. You don't want to be harassed all the time. I mean, but it's hard because then people like you and they want to get a photo of you. So it's like, wow, so appreciative that people want to come up to me. But then it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's a hard balance. Yeah, and it's partially my fault. I go out socially. I, I, I am a social person. I live with Naranga. He's a very social person as well. So it's partially my fault. I know a lot of people will be listening to this right now and say, well, Jamie, don't go out at night. Don't go out on a Friday and Saturday night. But it's hard. I, I live in Brisbane. I feel it's a very social city. and You want to live your life? I want to live my life. Live your best life? <laughs> live my best life. I, I feel like I've got a second wind at 41. <laughs> Not many guys Is that are how old you are? I'm 41. Confirmed, guys. He's 41. Had questions coming in. What's Jamie's real age? I heard someone said he's lying. He's 42 <laughs> or something. Show us. Someone said, can you make yeah. sure you see his license and birth certificate before the interview for confirmation? And by the way, I only turned 41 about three weeks ago. Oh, did you? Oh, that was yeah, right. Happy yeah. birthday. Yeah, so it wasn't long ago. Um, so, I'm only newly 41. But that was funny. Someone wrote in that I was 42. I think it's because your skin looks so good. <laughs> okay. You're glowing all those facials. <laughs> I was born in the 70s, though. Wow, but, that's crazy. But only by about 80 days. You're closer to my mum's age than me. Yeah, I hear that a lot <laughs> of girls I meet out. So what did Honey Badger give you any advice? Honey Badger asked for my phone number and he is going to call me next week. So thank you, Nick, for doing that because... If you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I feel as much as I joke on here, I am going through some very dark moments in my life i i have very dark days and and nights and that was desperation to reach out to nick and i'm very appreciative that he has written back and i I don't hold that on nick or any anything like if he didn't write back i'm not going to hold that against nick but that's actually really good of him to reach out especially after what he's going through with sas just coming off air or still on air at the moment Still airing. i actually don't watch reality television really I've never watched this, any Bachelor ever. Just the episodes I've been. <laughs> I've never watched reality television. Well, you just watched the ones you're in. Yeah, I've, at least I've, you're honest about it. I should have done my research. Maybe I would have held back and not been the stage five clinger. God, if only you could have turned back time. So you went on there not knowing anything about reality TV, not knowing what their tricks are. I had no it's idea. The best way to do it. You're just yourself. I had no idea, and a lot of people, a big thing people have against me is they go oh he had such an issue with the bachelorette why did he go on bachelor in paradise well for everyone that keeps saying that to me guys that was my question (laughs) they made me sign the bachelor in paradise contract before the bachelorette even aired so so i didn't know how you're going to be portrayed i thought i was going to come out looking like carl and (laughs) steric believe it or not i know it's funny when you see the edit but there were a lot of good times, especially with Angie. They, all that, made, what, what's the expression? It's all on the cutting room floor. Cutting room floor of that cracked in editing room. Yeah, it's, I actually 
It's funny when you look back at The Bachelorette because I honestly thought that I was going to come out there looking good. And I watched it. I was watching it thinking, this is a train wreck. So then I had my Bachelor in Paradise contract before I seen The Bachelorette. So so I'm thinking, oh, well, here we go. Like, this, here we go. I'm going to look good again. <laughs> and uh, then Bachelorette came out. I'd already signed my contract. I flew to Fiji while I was still on air. Right. So that's how quick it all happens. We, we so flew. you had no time to process, okay, I've got this shit edit. You had no time to soak in public reaction to you because it was still kind of happening? I flew to Fiji three days after I was sent home from The Bachelorette on air. So I went out on The Bachelorette on a Thursday night and I think I flew to Fiji on maybe the Tuesday so I, was it that quick? It was that quick. Because I remember I went out with you guys one weekend, bef- the weekend before you flew to Paradise. Yep. We all went out. And that was a, sun- then- that, that was a Sunday night. Uh, so we- you left the Thursday. We went out Sunday. You went for Paradise Tuesday. Yep. So got kicked off the Thursday night. Did a 12-hour media day on the Thursday. So we pre-recorded media. Then on the Friday, Kieran and I did another 12 hours together. The Sunday, we went out to Coogee Pavilion that night. And I believe we flew out on the Tuesday. Or the Monday. I think Kieran left Monday. It may have been even the Monday. Yep. Oh, no. Sorry. They were still partying on the Monday. You left Tuesday. You did leave Tuesday. Yeah. It was Because I remember Kieran went, he was partying on the Monday still. Yep. Partied straight into that flight to Fiji. (laughs) Yeah. I left you guys and went and had some sleep. So I, I slept the Monday. So I was actually. You beauty sleep. Yeah. I got my, at the time, my 40 year old beauty sleep. So you had no time to process what the public reaction was to you. It all happened just really quick. So you'd already signed that contract well before your portrayal had played out, basically. Yeah, before it aired. So people keep giving me that response online. They're like, why did he sign up again? And it's because I hadn't even been on TV yet. So I'd signed my second contract before I'd even been on TV once. I think I actually said that once. I yeah. Said, your portrayal was so bad. On Bachelorette, if you had such a shit time, why would you go back for more? I think yeah. that's a question everyone wants to know. So yeah. thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a lot of ground to cover today. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go in chronological order. Let's start with The Bachelorette. What made you apply? I was overseas. I went traveling. So I was working as a firefighter here in Australia. I got a payout from Fire and Rescue New South Wales and I went traveling. Why'd you get a payout? Uh, I had a work place dispute oh, like a work combo thing oh it was through the union and the union decided it was either move to another station where i didn't want to go to it was silverwater or <laughs> i was at Mona- silverwater listeners i was at monaville i was on the beach and taking me i was on a five-year waiting list to, to get there Anyway, it was either a penalty shift or the union were going to pay me out because I'd had a dispute. So I got paid out. Take the money and run. Yeah, I went traveling. I did a bunch of odd jobs overseas. Uh, One was a firefighter on a cruise ship. And then I came back. I was working as a firefighter in the mines. I was a little bit lost. Dean Wells is is a very good friend of mine. Dean Wells is one of my best friends. And he had been on Married at First Sight. And he said, you are this amazing character. I think, I think you would be great for a reality television. And I said, well, I'm a bit lost. You know what you get like after you've been traveling. And I applied for Married at First Sight and The Bachelorette. And we were joking about it saying, what if I got on both? 
how funny would that be when if you'd have to choose and we were joking about that and to go back a little bit to answer your question why i did this it was for the experience i wanted to see if i could do it i remember growing up as a kid and watching big brother and thinking could i do that could i be filmed 24 hours a day would i have an anxiety attack <laughs> what would it be like coming off the show and everyone recognize me what would it be like to fall in love on television i there were many factors that i applied anyway i got on both and I chose The Bachelorette. What, you got on maths? I got on maths. So what, last year, for last season or the season before it would have been? It was... Jules and Cam season? Uh, I, I don't watch the it show. It probably would have been... Is it uh, probably Jessica Powers? Yeah, it must have no. been Jessica Powers, Jules and Cam season. No, the one after Jessica Power. Okay. So 2019. The most recent one. No. Is it? Two, the, the 2019... So they, work it out. they would have... The one Ivan was on. Yeah, the most recent one. Okay, so it was that one. Now, oh. speaking about Ivan, <laughs> Ivan was in my audition for The Bachelorette. Oh, really? Actually, I think I did know that he did apply for The Bachelorette before. Yep. I think I did a story on that. And he didn't get through. So, Jackson Garlic was also in my audition. We had an audition with, a, it was a group audition with about 200 people. And they chose six people to have these hardcore one-on-one -on -one interviews with a panel of Warner Brothers people. And six got chosen on this day. And sorry, Ivan, but you missed out, buddy. <laughs> but good on you. I think he went all right on maths. I haven't actually watched it, but I, I heard he's quite a popular bloke. Is he? Oh, maybe <laughs> not. See, I've got to start watching these shows. So he got, he got, he didn't make it for Bachelorette, but he made it for maths, which I feel like maths is more stringent in their casting because they have less people. They need to be bigger personalities. So I'm surprised that he didn't get on Bachelorette. And to be fair, I remember him in our audition and he blew the roof off. He wow. was actually really good. It's shocking to me that he didn't get on Bachelorette, but he got on maths. Well, come on, you got me and Jackson Garlic. So there, like <laughs> competition. So, you know, some pretty some pretty so got some studs in the shed here, right? <laughs> so so Jackson Garlic and I get we get through and then we go into this room and, and we're waiting and everyone gets interviewed for an hour and Jackson and I start talking and I said, Mate, when we get out of here, let's go get on the beers. And he he just goes, One hundred percent and so we did our interviews. Jackson and I go get blind at the clock in Surrey Hills on a Wednesday afternoon. And uh, Jackson and I, we weren't meant to. We started talking to each other on Facebook every day. And, I'm, and I would say, have you heard anything? Mm. And, uh, and he would say no. And, and then I would say, well, I haven't heard anything. But we didn't really trust each other. So we're kind of like trying to feel each other out. Anyway, when we finally got on, we both got this text and it said, meet at Manly Laundry at 6 30 a.m tomorrow and I, I screenshot it and sent it to jackson and i go mate the whole bachelorette people must be there you know like everyone who's on the show and so the next day i rock up and it's just jackson and me standing there at the manly laundry and i'm i go mate they're onto us they've got us why would it just be you and me here they know we're being colluding they, colluding you're yeah, really freaking out you I, haven't even been on the show we were freaking out because so you're having you're having anxiety attack you're giving jackson an anxiety attack yep you're getting paranoid already you haven't even been on the show so then a guy comes and picks us up in some van just jackson and me and in a van yeah in like a white van some runner and i turn around to jackson <laughs> and i try to overdo it i turn to jackson i go by the way mate what's your name again is, is it jason <laughs> It's Jason, isn't it? 
and I go to shake his hand. He's looking at me going, what are you talking about? At this point, he and I had been friends since March in the casting <laughs> process for maybe three or four months. Been sliding to each other's DMs sliding on the each down low. other's DMs. And I was fanboying over his dad being Sean Garlick <laughs> as well, because that's from my era. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm going, is it Jason? Is it? And he's like, no, it's Jackson. And I'll go, Justin. He goes, it's Jackson. And I, I, I think I overdid it. Anyway, then they take us up to the Q station in Manly and everyone in Australia right now or in the world who's listening to this, <laughs> feel sorry for Jackson Garlic because they locked poor little Jackson Garlic. Well, not little, <laughs> especially downstairs, but uh, they uh, <laughs> they um, locked poor Jackson Garlic in a room with me for three days. I don't know. My cheeks are swelling. They locked him in a room with me for three days. We weren't allowed to leave. My cheeks. Luckily, that guy studies psychology because I think anyone else probably would themselves in the bathroom. I don't say that. Okay, sorry. Luckily, he studied psychology because anyone else would have ran out the door at any moment. We didn't have a TV, radio. I was reading a book, and everything I found interesting in this book, I would give Jackson like this. One hour breakdown of what I'm reading in my book. And this guy was looking at me going, is this guy for real? So they put the youngest guy on the show. He was 25. With the oldest guy on the show, I was 39. But I was the most immature and the oldest. Jackson was the youngest and the most mature. And they <laughs> decided to stick us in a room together. I don't know how he survived. I honestly don't know how the guy survived. <laughs> and then I'm probably going to jump the gun. But then when I moved into The Bachelor at Mansion... He shared a loft space with me for two months. Oh my God, so Jackson deserves a medal. Jackson deserves a medal. I, honestly, to this day, I don't know how he put up with me because I'm a night talker as well. So when before I go to bed, I'll want to debrief the whole day. Every girlfriend I've ever had that's listening to, to this understands what I'm talking about right now. I will want to debrief the day for two hours before it's like pillow talk. talk. And I'll do that to poor Jackson Garlic every night. To the point where Carlin Sterrett and Glenn Smith, or Greg, as we now know him from Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> Hi, Alicia. Uh, they would belt on the door and say, shut up, Jamie, it's 4 a.m. It's 4 a.m. We've got to get some sleep. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, I'm not going to get a date anyway, so I'm going to start at 4 a.m. and talk. But Carlin was getting a date every second day. so like, th shut up. <laughs> that's why he needed his sleep. But uh, sorry, I'm jumping the gun okay, again. Okay, so did you know Angie was going to be The Bachelorette on your season before you went on? Yes. I, I, oh, you I, did? Yes, we knew. Ah. We, we, we knew. A lot of people don't know. I, I believe with Lockie, they kept it a secret. He was thrown in at the last minute. So some of the girls have told me that they were told it was Alex and then they were told it was Jet. So when they rocked up and it was Lockie, they're like, hold on a minute, what? And I think that's why they were so confused when it was... They didn't put the um, Survivor connection together because they were thinking that he was an AFL player. Yep, okay. So you knew Angie. Did you... Before you went on then, were you like, I'm going to look into her, I'm going to research her and see if we're a good match? Yeah, so when they announced Angie, I knew nothing about her. So I scrambled and did my research. I went back and did a little bit of background on her. Gogglebox, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here in the jungle, rescue dog advocate... <laughs> things like that I did my research on her and yeah I liked everything I learnt about her I, I thought oh. great let's go how much research did you do like was it a full-blown FBI investigation oh I'm trying to get away from this stage five clinger label I, I don't know if I should comment on it no look it was just some light reading into who she 
was because, and I've said it, I remember saying it in some exit media on The Bachelorette. I'm very prepared in everything I do in my life. Jackson Garlic, take note by bringing a pie in when she was celiac, big fella, all right? <laughs> but uh, I, I like to research everything. I've heard. I heard that you took into your camera talking head. What are they called when you have to do the one-on-one uh, -on -one interviews? What are they called? IVs. I heard that when you were doing your IVs, which is your solo interviews for the show, you took in each day, you'd take in like eight pages of notes that you'd made and you'd be fully prepared. You'd studied the night before. You knew exactly what you're going to say. Is that true? That is 100% true. So apparently I'm the first guy or girl on however seven seasons at that time of The Bachelor and five seasons of The Bachelorette that ever did that. I would take in IV notes. I would write them the night before because there were things that I wanted to talk about. And a lot of it, again, was on the cutting room floor. And I feel probably that's why I got portrayed like I did because I gave them too much. Too much. Like I gave them too much. You overprovided. I overprovided, but I would write notes. I would sit there in bed next to Jackson and I would be writing notes about the day, things I wanted to raise. This happened. That person said a misogynist comment. Uh, this person is ingenuine. I'm only joking, guys. This person is disingenuous. It's misogynistic, by the way. And it's... Oh, have I said another? <laughs> have I done it again? You've done it again. Have I done it again? You need to, you need to what's that word? You need to what brush is up. You need to brush what, up in your dictionary. What did I say? Misogynist. A misogynist comment. It's misogynistic comment. Is it? All right. Goodness me. People <laughs> say to me... You go back to school. People... You've been out of school for 40 years. You need oh, to go back gosh, and brush been, up on your it's English. It's been a while. When I went to school, every, everything was in black and white. <laughs> but I tell you what, people come up to me all the time and they say, why don't you learn another language? Italian, Spanish, Russian. Some girl told me last night, why don't you learn Russian? I said, honestly, I'm 41 years old. I still can't speak English. I'm the same. I've studied English. I've like majored in English and I still get words wrong. I still mispronounce words. I've been copying a lot of flack for it lately, but it's hard. There's a lot of words out there. I've got a Bachelor of Teaching. <laughs> Thanks. scary. <laughs> that is scary. Thank God for the Pray fire for the department. Students. Pray for the students. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. Thank goodness the fire department got me because, geez, I could be in some English school teaching them how to say ingenuine. I was going to say you could be in jail. <laughs> oh, gosh, I wasn't going to go there. Okay, so um, you were, you have been labelled as a stage five clinger. Let's not sugarcoat the truth. You probably, I think you were worse than Jared. You're probably the biggest stage five clinger the show's ever seen. And you're sitting here smiling like you're looking very chuffed with yourself, like it's a compliment. Uh, what, how are you ranking it? How, how do you, you feel how... about it? You look like you feel pretty good about it. So Cass Wood, Jamie Doran. Cass Wood's got nothing on you. Oh, so it goes Jamie Doran, number one. Jared Woodgate is number two. And then maybe Cass, is it? I think so. I'd put you number one. I oh. used to think Jared was my favourite stage five clinger, but I think Jared's got nothing on you. Wow. The well, research on Angie, you did the full-blown investigation on into her. Then you've got your eight-page IV notes. At least I'm first at something, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like your podcast is every week, by the way. Number one nearly every week. Plug, thank Absolutely you. Absolutely killing it. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, how did you how did you feel about being portrayed as the stage five clinger? I know you said before you went to Paradise, you didn't have a lot of time to process it. When you did process it all, how did you feel about it? I feel... Like, I didn't like it because I feel that that wasn't me on Angie's season. There were times where I would walk into an IV and they would say, how do you feel about Angie? And I was honest. I would say, 
great girl down to earth lady up the top bogan down the bottom from the sunshine coast you know very grounded from a good family things like that and they would say jamie do that again with more energy and so i perform like a monkey and then it still it still wasn't enough and they would say come on mate aren't you here for love give us more come on take 15 i i was doing yeah take 15 i was doing what you saw on tv and it was stuff like this when angie walks in the room it's the greatest day of my life. And I and I'd go, all right, is that enough, guys? Like, are you done? Because I'll tell you something. On The Bachelorette, every other guy would do an IV, a 20-minute IV every third day. I was doing a two-hour IV every day for two months. I think they gave me one day off. So that's how much content they got off me. And I know they had me pigeonholed for what they did. I've also been told, and I'm not going to reveal my sources, <laughs> but when Warner Brothers had their rap party for The Bachelorette, On a War was a montage of my images. That was the centerpiece of the rap party of the Warner Brothers producers on my season of The Bachelorette. It was a full war of images of me, <laughs> a, like a shrine. God, who's the stage five clinger now? Yeah, so... So what, the producers had a rap party and... A part of their party was you, your face on the wall, a yeah, shrine. Yeah, that was the centerpiece of the party. That's what I've been told. So, <laughs> Who's your source? Jesus, that's good intel. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that you would go in there, be yourself, and they would say, it's not enough, give us more. So you'd up the ante, you'd over-deliver, you'd overact, emphasizing yourself. So they pushed you to be like an amplified version of yourself. They saw me coming. They, <laughs> they saw me coming. They knew what they wanted out of me. I, I feel they had me pigeonholed from day one. You know, people always ask me, is Jamie or is Jackson, are they, is that who they are? And I say it is who they are, but it's just an exaggerated version of themselves or they, they've taken one element of your personality and only focused on that one personality trait and amplified it. So everyone's got a good side, everyone's got a bad side, everyone's got an angry side, everyone's got, you know, an emotional side. They basically choose one element of your personality and that's all they focus on and that's all they show. So, yeah, you are a stage five clinger and you're very intense. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You are intense. I feel like your portrayal on screen wasn't even as bad as what you are in real life. Not as bad, but not as intense as what you are in real life. Okay. You're actually a very intense person, but it's not just who you are. You've got two sides. You're also a very funny person. You like to have a joke. You know, you've got a good sense of humor and that's the side that they did not show on the screen. So you come across as a 100% clinger, 100% intense and that's not who you are all the time does that make sense yeah i'm also annoyed as well because i felt they showed no connection between angie and me and the proof's in the pudding a year later i believe and sorry angie if this isn't correct but she speaks to two people out of the 22 or 23 guys that were on that season she talks to ryan anderson the aussie dog guy and she talks to me oh wow I'm still friends with Angie and I don't believe that no other guys are in contact with her. The proof's in the pudding, but they showed that... I felt they just showed that I was a side act, but I sat and had these amazing chats with Angie. And also what annoys me is every cocktail party, they cut to me grabbing her first. That wasn't the case. There were a lot of cocktail parties where I went and spoke to Angie last, but they cut it... To make it look like as soon as Angie walked into a cocktail party, I dragged her off for a chat. 
the reason sometimes they had that footage because I was the only guy that was a gentleman and would walk her down the stairs when she was in heels and it's slippery and chewy <laughs> as filmed in winter and I would go grab her hand and walk her down the stairs. But then I'd make it look like then I would grab her, they'll cut that footage and make it look like I'm, I'm taking her off for a chat. So were you as emotional and as intense as you were portrayed then or did you play it up for the cameras a little bit during The Bachelorette? Was it all an act or were you exaggerated by the edit? I feel that, yes, I was emotional at times, but you're seeing a snapshot of 24 hours of filming every day over two months on The Bachelorette. And I, I bet if you followed me around for the next two months and you cut all... I cried a week ago. <laughs> so you people could add that in. And this is two months of my life. And I did find it very difficult as well because I was 39 years old. I think the next closest guy... To me, well, Adam Sellers was early 30s. Carl was early 30s. Ryan Anderson was early 30s. Kieran's dad's only about three years older than me. <laughs> so I felt there was a gulf between me and the other guys. And I just felt a lot of pressure in there. I had never been in a situation like that where I just felt so much pressure, which is crazy because I have run into burning buildings my whole life and don't feel any pressure. But I went on that show... And I did get emotional that first episode where Jess Glasgow said that I was creating rumours and I, I ran out into the garden and started crying. It it just all got to me. It, it was a very pressure situation. And by the way, Jess Glasgow, he's got a really bad portrayal himself. That famous episode where we're doing the farm shoot and Angie's the farmer's wife, I'm the farmer, and Jess is the horse's ass. <laughs> And he said the Wandering Fingers comment and lost his job over that. You're not, you're not going. I am going, bro. No, you're not walking out. Or... Bro, I'll see you on the no, outside. No, 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 Tim. Relax. No, no, no. Tim, please. You how much you mean to me, bro. bro. I'll see you on the outside. I'm not going, bro. You're not going. I'm 100% going. Okay, guys, that's all the Jamie Doran I've got for you today. The next episode with Jamie will be next Tuesday. During that episode, Jamie discusses his Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise experiences and reveals the reason he was so upset over Tim Hanley during that iconic meltdown scene. Plus, of course, lots more. It is so juicy and contains the plot twist no one saw coming. I've also got an episode dropping on Friday with another summer series guest, so stay tuned for that. If you enjoyed this episode, which I know is all of you, please subscribe, rate and review. Five stars only, of course. Please keep sharing So Dramatic Around more than Jamie shares friendship roses around paradise. If you have any requests, questions or receipts, please slide into my DMs at dramaticpodcast underscore at So Dramatic Media or at Megan Pistetto. And don't forget to join the Facebook group So Dramatic Podcast. Thank you for listening to a special episode of So Dramatic. See you on Friday. Ciao for now. Kind regards. I'm out of here. I'm gonna go to. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So dramatic with Megan Pacetto.